This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. When we originally recorded today's episode, weeks and weeks ago, I had no idea that it was scheduled to be released on St. Patrick's Day. But how providential that today we look at the church in Ireland, Northern Ireland, and England on a day that we celebrate a patron of those areas. St. Patrick, of course, being a man who evangelized Ireland, but spent many, many years in England. And our conversation today with James and Catherine McLaughlin about the church alive and vibrant and thriving in Ireland, Northern Ireland, and England, I think is one that reveals the depth and the history of Roman Catholicism in that particular part of the world, but also how the church is struggling, ways that the church needs to work a little harder, perhaps especially to engage younger generations, but but most especially gives us a snapshot. This conversation gives us a snapshot of how we can zoom out and look at the bigger picture of a particular part of the world, in this case, Ireland, Northern Ireland, and England, and really see the hand of the Holy Spirit at work and see the way that people are being creative, especially in times of COVID, in sharing the gospel and how the universal church comes to life there. I've had the great joy of uh, becoming very good friends with James and Catherine, the guests today. We've spent time together in England. They came over to the States for the National Catholic Youth Conference in the fall of 2019. Uh, we had plans of visiting them last summer. That's now been pushed to probably next summer just because of COVID. They're wonderful people who work and serve the church, specifically the Diocese of Clogher in Northern Ireland, very diligently along with giving us a snapshot of both how they grew up, where they grew up, the church that they've seen their whole lives, the particular challenges and struggles, the ways that the church is thriving there. I loved having this conversation. I'm so happy that it's coming out on St. Patrick's Day, and I'm excited for you to hear it. This, of course, is part of our entire Ave Explorer series about Catholicism around the world. You can find all of the content over at AveMariaPress.com, podcast videos, interviews, different Facebook Live conversations, all sorts of wonderful things, articles. We hope you check it out. But for now, I hope you sit back and enjoy this excellent conversation with James and Catherine McLaughlin about the church over in Ireland, Northern Ireland, and England. Well, James and Catherine, thanks for joining us on Ave Explorers. Yeah, it's good to see you guys. I, I, I feel like we didn't hang out that long ago, even though it was just over, it was well over a year ago now. Um, when did we last see each other? We saw each other at NCYC. NCYC in the States, but we have hung out in England. Um, uh, yeah. Not to Ireland yet, but I know what's on your list. It's coming. It's, I mean, with a name like McGrady, I've got to come hang out with the McLaughlin's. Like, that's just what has to happen. So tell us a little bit about where you are and what you do and, and who the two of you are. <laughs> who are you? Will <laughs> um, I start, dear? So I'm James McLaughlin. I'm married to the wonderful Catherine. We've been married now for two and a half years. Uh, we have one son, Michael, who we brought home from hospital on our first anniversary. Oh, um, it's pretty beautiful. Cool. Yeah, it's cute. Um, <laughs> currently, we live in, in a skillen in County Fermanagh in Northern Ireland. Um, we are here. It's my um, about 20, 20 miles from my home where I was raised 
um, we moved here after I was appointed as my home diocesan youth ministry director, um, which is just over two years ago um, for the Diocese of Clogher. Uh, and we're a cross-border diocese, so we are mm. part Northern Ireland, part Republic of Ireland. So two different currencies, two different legal jurisdictions. So this whole time of pandemic has been very different with, with different restrictions on public worship and stuff like that. So it's, it's been a crazy time um, since the pandemic, but has always had, there's always been slight differences. Um, and there's a big sort of Catholic culture difference as well mm. on both sides of the border, which we'll probably talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Catherine, I'm married to James. <laughs> uh, um, I'm not from Ireland. Uh, I'm from England. I'm from the very middle of England, from Staffordshire, um, the Peak District. It's uh, like where Pride and Prejudice was filmed. Like, imagine mm. that sort of scenery. That's where I'm from. Um, and uh, yeah, I have a postgrad in apologetics and have worked in ministry for youth ministry for over 15 years. Um, and so I left my ministry job uh, to come over to Ireland. Um, we were pregnant at the time, so it all just worked out lovely anyway. Um, but I still do a little bit of work for my uh, home diocese uh, in England, working with social media and things like that. But no, my main sort of, I'm a mom. I'm part of our parish here and try and uh, help James out with all of his ministry as well. So, did you, did you two meet through church stuff? Oh, we did. We did. We we worked in the Archdiocese of Birmingham, Birmingham. which is where I am from. Um, and uh, so I I ran an outreach uh, team. We would go into high schools. Um, and uh, our archdiocese, absolutely wonderful, had loads of different paid positions uh, for lay people within ministry. And so somehow James had got wind of um, a job which was down in Oxford. So it's quite a fair way away from where um, I yeah. was, um, but we were part of the same um, yeah. organisation. And the very first day he showed up to one of my events, which was just like a, an evening of praise and worship and a bit of a talk and things like that. And he was just trying to like, get the lay of the land and uh, he was like though there's a camera no one's using it what do you need me to do and so that was kind of my first impression was he was just someone who's getting stuck straight in and from then firm friends firm firm yeah. friends yeah. and then at world youth day in krakow he saved my life which is a dramatic story for another day <laughs> but essentially but essentially he was like just there was a hero moment and from then i was like Oh, hello. <laughs> and uh, and from then I dropped all the hints, all of the things. I bought him ice creams mm -hmm. and all of these sodas and things like Talk that. Talk to me about to be like, bands that I liked. Know, and, and all the I was trying to figure out what the love language was, all of that sort of thing. I was giving him all these gifts mm, and he did not I know. did not know. No, and it was that Christmas afterwards when I was like, I really like you. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice style. We were, we were engaged and, and for the four months yeah. and... Uh, then married, have a child, yeah. have a house, have a life. We yeah. don't quite have a dog yet, but no, we're thinking in the future. I'm gonna say, I think a pandemic requires a dog for the kid. The kid needs a buddy, right? Like that's the we've the... done all the baking and all of those sorts yeah. of things. Banana bread has been life. a big thing over <laughs> yeah. here, baking wise. So. Irish soda bread. 
Yeah, yeah. And in, <laughs> in lockdown one. So we're currently we've just started lockdown three now. Oh, gosh. Lockdown one, all the all the stores and supermarkets were out of like all the home baking stuff mm-hmm. and toilet roll. I don't know if that would that Yes, that was a thing here. As well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like the two things in that story, and I think I vaguely knew the World Youth Day thing. I don't think I know the Save the Life story, but I knew that World Youth Day was part of your friendship and of your history. Um, I feel like World Youth Day is is a good jumping off point because we're talking about like international Catholicism. We're talking about the global church, and you two both you essentially have three countries that you get to experience Catholicism in England, Ireland, and Northern Ireland. So I guess my first question really uh, to dig into and and just take it away is um, as an American Catholic, when I look at across the pond, I often think to myself, man, like it doesn't really seem like a whole lot's going on over there, but then I've actually been to England multiple times to do ministry and I get there and I'm like, wow, they really have it going on over here. And it's maybe it's some of like the mutedness of the English and the Irish. Maybe it's, although I don't think there's much mutedness to the Irish. I'm, I'm married to one and there's nothing mute about him. Uh, (laughs) But, but tell me what you think um, one of the most dynamic and beautiful things about, especially youth ministry, which is our purview uh, in Northern Ireland, Ireland, and England. And then from here on out, I'm just going to say where you are, because you kind of have, you know, a snapshot of all three. Yeah, I think your your take on it is pretty astute. You know, I, I've had experience of um, growing up in the Catholic Church here in Ireland, I went over to work in the Archdiocese of Birmingham in England for nearly four years and have the experience there. And then from from other youth work, um, ecumenical stuff, cross-community uh, youth work that I did here growing up in Northern Ireland, I have experience of the Catholic Church in America because mm-hmm. I spent like eight or nine summers over there in in southern Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, in a town called Madison. So experienced Catholic life there as well. And and what you say is true. I, I think um, from from crossing the Irish Sea here, I think the Catholic Church in England is probably about 10 or 15 years ahead of where we are here in Ireland. And then the, the English Church is probably a good 10 or 15 years behind what's happening in America as well. Mm-hmm. So so we're catching up behind you Um I think the Irish Church, you know, are are not too um, distant past. We had um, all the abuse scandals and trying to deal with that, and and the hierarchy just sort of dropped some balls, you know, mm-hmm. and and that was because they had to, and and, and youth ministry w- was one of those things. So we're we're slowly getting there. Um, again, the the what happens in youth ministry across the island of Ireland. Diff is totally different from diocese to diocese. Um, we are slowly getting sort of together and networked. Um, I'm I'm on the board of CYMI Catholic Youth Ministry Ireland, which is a newly formed organisation which would mirror um, NFCYM in mm-hmm. America, the National Federation, um, <laughs> or, or or SIMFED <laughs> in England. Um, yeah. So there are good things starting to happen, but I think the church in Ireland. Um, and Catherine can attest to this as well from from moving over. Faith is a very personal thing. It's about mm. personal devotion. It's very much centered around attending mass on a Sunday. And unfortunately, maybe for a lot of people that do that, that's their 
that's their profession of faith that's you know once they leave church on a sunday that's it until next sunday um and like especially in the irish republic um over the last probably decade or 15 years there's been a huge swing of secularization you know mm-hmm. we had, um we had the big vote on uh repealing the abortion laws so abortion mm-hmm. is now legal and um, same-sex marriage is now legal and things like that so there has been a huge shift from like you know the, the bastion of the catholic world that ireland was known as for mm-hmm. you know, the island of saints and scholars and um, sending missionary priests and and uh, religious sisters across the world to, spree- to preach the good news um, things have shifted mightily in the other direction mm-hmm. i think we've been really lucky though kind of from our um from a place of working within ministry, I think it gives us another lens in which to actually look at what's going on. Mm. Um, and I definitely think from my work within England and kind of there is a lot of joined up thinking, um, and you know, and that's come from years and years and years of kind of, of drilling that sort of, you know, we need to work together. We can't just yeah. do things apart. And so very much the, you know, I've been a fruit of that, of all of that work that's gone for years and years and years. Um, and so all of the the lay chaplains in schools mm-hmm. that I um, have met, the um, a lot of my ministry was done as part of a Catholic youth retreat centre within um, the Archdiocese of Birmingham, um, Solly, which is still running now um, and is is like over 70 years. So there's, there's, there's so much good... Yeah. that has uh that has been done for mm-hmm. so many years um and there is that joined up thinking and it's and it is really getting that, that whole idea that we need each other in which to make church happen mm-hmm. happen for young people because like there's there's a great need for for the church and for young people to really feel that their voice is heard and for them to have a, a space to really grapple with everything that is going on. And I mean, like this past year, I mean, I do not, I can't even imagine being a young person right now. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad <laughs> that I'm Don't, old, that. <laughs> I'm old yeah. in their eyes now. Um, because, yeah, there needs to be a space that they can really grapple with the massive questions um, that they're dealing with. And uh, so, yeah, it's a... We're we're on a good footing, I think, within um, within England and yeah. in Ireland. In Ireland there as, well. as well. It's, I think the it's, the potential, you know, yeah. that's that, you know, we're maybe starting from we're starting from where we're starting, and you know, in mm-hmm. comparison to other places, we are not doing as much, but we see what is happening, and we recognise the potential, mm-hmm. and and we know where we need to to be, and we know mm-hmm. that that you know this is about saving souls and it's about making saints and it's about getting young people to heaven and it's about them living a full life knowing that they are loved children of God. Um, but because we're, we see that the comparison is good in ways, you know, cause we know what we need to aim and strive for, but it's also disheartening in ways as well. Cause you know, that time is of the essence and, and, yeah. and especially mm-hmm. with, with the culture and the society and society and obviously this huge coronavirus pandemic that we're living yeah. as well um you know things are are changing very quickly and um, and and young people are being pulled and apart yeah, yeah you know. there's just there's just a great need for for everyone to feel like they belong that mm. they're loved mm-hmm. 
I know I'm so grateful for the people that told me that I was loved by God, by Jesus as, as a young person. And, you know, and that is just when you work in ministry, you know, that's the deepest desire Right. your heart is to give that to other people mm. and to to share that and and, that knowledge yeah and so that that is happening and uh, it's been tough this past year mm. the the various um dioceses in england who have really really struggled because of covid in terms of funds to to fund yeah. um, lay people being able to work within particular youth ministry um it's been it's been tough but um you're saying that all this work is being done and that's great. What's some of that work? Like COVID aside, like before the world stopped, <laughs> what were some of the really great things that y'all were both very excited about? I know pilgrimages are a huge part of the ministry that you do. Um, when we worked together in England, it was this girls event and it was, it was beautiful and dynamic. And I like, I've never seen um, such I guess the word is tenderness, like put into an event for schoolgirls who were forced to be there. Like they didn't sign up to go on their own. Like they had to be in the building and yet there was still so much attention that was put into it. So, so what were some of the things that you were doing, are doing both on a youth ministry scale, but even just like a parish level, a diocesan level? Okay. So I suppose um, within the diocese here with in terms of youth ministry and, and myself as youth ministry director, our program since youth ministry started in the diocese, maybe, 15 or 15 just slightly over 15 years ago has all been very much pilgrimage and summer experience based and um, so annual pilgrimage to Lourdes where we would bring about 60 young people to serve um, the the sick and infirm of our diocese and mm. um, we would bring uh, a coach load of young people to the Taizé community in France to spend a week with the brothers and all the young people from around Europe and then we would run summer camps um, locally here within parishes for, for younger school children or maybe a residential weekend away at an outdoor activity centre somewhere fairly local and then have some faith input there as well. So that's the been the primary work and World Youth Days when they come up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, and then outside of that, the rest of the year, you know, is the the first part of the year is the preparation for all that so it's the the recruitment and the selection of young people because we are always oversubscribed like last year even though we didn't go to Lourdes we had started the process and for 60 places for young people we had 135 wow so there is a desire there is a desire and that is very different from my experience of running pilgrimages with young people in England really Um, okay yeah, like you would really have to fight to get young people to want to go on these. They'd have amazing experiences um, on a pilgrimage, but like you would have to fight to get them there or they, they would know someone who had been and then they would have, yeah. you know, encouraged. Yeah. That's like, that's a huge difference between yeah. being over here in Ireland uh, and England. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I literally couldn't believe it. <laughs> and we were over to pray. <laughs> so yeah, the, the, the work at the beginning of the year is all the logistics and preparation for that. Um, finding leaders, training leaders, then meeting with the young people and sort of starting to form them and journey with them, mm-hmm. have the pilgrimage experience, that mountaintop moment. And then when we come home, then try and engage and accompany and bring that experience back into their day, their, their daily life, you know, their mm-hmm. life at home, in school, in parish. And that's where the difficulty is because we're a diocesan organization. You know, I had I had young people from a parish that's nearly a hundred miles away. You know, and, and as a one person youth ministry, 
office for the diocese. And yes, there's loads of great volunteers who are leaders for the summer, but they have jobs, they have lives, mm-hmm. they have work as well. And, and them giving up that that time of their summer vacation to go to Lourdes mm-hmm. and that time of preparation to meet the young people beforehand mm-hmm. is a huge ask and they give willingly. But I always feel very, I just don't like to ask too much of them. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's been a, it's been interesting though, kind of coming in um, and looking at what James has been doing from my perspective, because like I'm not working. <laughs> so to speak um but uh the ideas and the things that he will have seen within the church in england um about you know really you know deep root ministry on a parish level and about trying to meet with young people um more consistently is something which has already changed within the couple of years that you've been running these you know trying to um to it to encourage yeah just you know that weekly um regular faith those connections with young people um really giving them other opportunities here um on the island like um meeting up um on Loch Derg so one of the secrets of Ireland which I never knew about until James came over to work in Birmingham is Loch Derg which is an ancient pilgrimage site where St Patrick staged and you know there's thousands and thousands and thousands of years <laughs> of uh of history in this moment it's actually it's only about half an hour away it's, from, from my home parish yeah, yeah. so this wow i know it's, it's so amazing and uh taking young people there yeah to this place and you're like you literally have to get on a boat to go to the island <laughs> and uh, it's like it's it's dubbed catholic alcatraz <laughs> over here uh, and that's also because the the actual like pilgrimage exercises which we'll not get into now um are like it's it's very it's penitential intense. yeah yeah i brought i brought jimmy mitchell um yes he did the three-day pilgrimage mm. before and and has talked a lot about it since of, of the experience that he had but yeah. so bringing young people to a day on this island where thousands thousands of people have been on their knees praying mm-hmm. you know, and you can feel you know, there's places where you can feel they prayer has made that place. Yeah. So bringing young people to to that so they can experience something which is theirs, mm-hmm. you know, and that they can form kind of community there. Um, you know, you've been doing lots of different things to try and yeah, like we've been that. doing. So it's, yeah, so it's we've been less, doing like regular, regular, like monthly Tese prayer meetings yeah, for you know, those young people to, to to tap into and tap out of. Um, you know, we've we've really tried to develop and build on we have um the pope john paul ii award here and um, it was created in the diocese of Derry. yeah he, oh i met the guy that made that when i did Sean my Cole, event Sean yeah yes congress probably no i met him in england he oh, okay. um i came and did an event for teachers in newfoundland is it not newfoundland oh come on katie no, that's canada uh, that's yeah wrong country um Oh, Newcastle, Newcastle. Oh, Sorry. Okay. Yes. The beer. Yeah. I should so know this. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, I'm yeah. sleep so deprived. That's, like, that's, it's a great sort of faith in action mm-hmm. um, award for, you know, young people to get um, the recognition for like doing things and being active in the life of their parish and the church, but also being active in, in wider society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's been going in the diocese for many, it's been going across Ireland for many years. Um, but Again, we've tried to really develop the 
the points of contact that parish leaders have with those young people. Yeah. Developing, you know, strategies for meetings and templates for meetings that that can really offer a fruitful experience and a more in-depth experience mm-hmm. rather than just touching base with young people to see if they've got activities on their yeah. card done or whatever. Right. Know. When you, I mean, you mentioned Catherine, that prayer has made that place like the, mm-hmm. the say, say the name again. I want to make sure I get it correct. Lock Derg, yeah. like Derg, like D I R G, like a D E R G. Okay. D E R G. Sorry. <laughs> he can't say his R's right because he's oh. Irish. I, <laughs> maybe that's why Rose can't say her R's because she, she's an Irish girl. But there's there's a real beauty, I think. Like every time I go to an an, an old site in America, I, I, I'm consistently reminded of like it's not that old. Like if you compare it, yeah. If you, I, I distinctly remember telling my parents in middle school we went to the American History Museum um, in DC. You know, it's the Smithsonian. It's a big deal. And I was like, our country is really young for us to have gone and like built this museum to our own like I mean it's kind of the hubris of Americans right like look at all these great things we've done and and yet like you step foot in Ireland I've been to Ireland you step foot in um, I just think we were going to Ennis and walking around Ennis and just like this place is ancient like it's it's there's all of this history and these this little tiny church has been here on this street corner longer than America has existed as a country there's a beauty to that how do you think that shapes maybe your own faith or like the faith of young people to know that they're steeped in both a history of suffering, a history of faith that has gone through turmoil. I mean, we could talk about the Protestant Catholic divide. We can talk about Protestantism coming into England and, and, and what, what it's like to sometimes walk into a church that was Catholic, but isn't Catholic anymore. How how do you think that affects and influences faith? I hope you're enjoying this conversation with James and Catherine McLaughlin about the church over in Ireland, Northern Ireland, and England. You can find all of our Ave Explorers content over at AveMariaPress.com, podcast videos, articles, all sorts of creative things that we're creating just for you. We hope you sign up and we hope you stick around for the rest of the episode. I think it has both its pros and its cons mm-hmm. um i think in ireland very much especially in like the last hundred years since the creation of the irish republic and mm-hmm. um, you know the catholic church held great power and influence over government and, and was very closely connected and therefore you know it was just expected that people were catholic and there was an expectation and that was it and you went to catholic school and, and you went through um you know that and it was just expected and probably just like i just wanted to use the sound effect yeah <laughs> you know yeah um, but then in northern ireland because of like the recent troubles and um you know the the nationalist unionist divide which which then closely very much tied to faith backgrounds and catholic and protestantism faith was very much something that was clung to for identity and it held a lot of power um uh, and therefore like even within the diocese now and within youth ministry the majority of the young people who apply and are interested in going on our pilgrimages live in the northern parishes mm-hmm. of the diocese and it's a real struggle and you know um trying to get young people to to be involved or, or to want to come or to express an interest that's that's our that's our mission territory within the diocese mm-hmm. 
in terms of young people and and that has a lot to do with you know the political social dynamic of how the faith has played out and, and interlinked yeah. with society at mm-hmm. large mm-hmm. and then Catherine in England I mean I, I I'm specifically thinking of a conversation I had with somebody in Stratford upon Avon and we walked into the church where Shakespeare's buried mm-hmm. and I could see where the icons had been taken off the wall and you know there's not not a not a tavern and now granted of course this is more museum than church i mean it's where shakespeare is buried so you've got you tourists coming through all the time but i just made the comment where i was like it feels like it's a church that's been taken um and the the person i was with and then the priest they were both like yeah welcome to english catholicism (laughs) or like you feel like an orphan sometimes even within your own country because what once was the bastion of the church had you know it it, we all know the history there right like there's this gigantic Mm -hmm. shift How, how do you think that plays into maybe even your own personal faith journey i think kind of for for a lot of people i would it's horrible to say, but actually they wouldn't even be aware of that. They really? Really, they wouldn't really see that struggle anymore mm. because there's so much indifference. There's so much. Mm. Like, you know, yeah. 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 Uh, and I think, I think of the, the parishes that I've been uh, involved in the various different places that I've lived, you know, as, as a young person, as, and as a young adult, it's, it's really hard within, um, the church in England because you don't feel particularly welcome no one's really there to um bring you into the community um of faith and that community of faith I found out within a ministry environment with the youth ministry environment um and so I'm so aware that that is something that we need to create we need to be a part of now here It's, it's yeah it's crazy that Catherine says that because my experience of going back to England. So I was born in England and then moved to Ireland at a very young age, then went to England for university and came back and then went back to work for Birmingham. <laughs> but I must no. say, like, it was like, I'm just, I'm just constantly crossing. You're a zigzag, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I really found that there was a great intentionality to people's faith in England. And mm. I must say, as an outsider, having been part of the church here in Ireland, I found any parish that I went into. And maybe it was because I was working in ministry and was sort of in those circles and and among other people working in ministry. But I did find a great warmth and welcome Mm -hmm. and intentionality to people's faith in England, Mm -hmm. that it wasn't, you know, any of the parishes that I lived in, in Oxford, um, in Birmingham. It wasn't like the way I see the church here in Ireland of people go to mass and they're out the door and that's it until next Sunday. They might pray a rosary and have some sort of personal devotions during the week. There seemed to be more community and more, you know, stuff between, you know, filler mm-hmm. between Sunday mm-hmm. masses and, and community and options. Yeah, and I, can see it. I think there are, there are wonderful people. And like the yeah. reason why I, the reason yeah. why I have my faith is because of wonderful people. Right. <laughs> but um, I'm just talking kind of generally mm-hmm. when I've been into, into new parishes. I remember once being told that I'd, I'd sat in somebody's seat, you know, that, that, that where they sat in that pew. It happens there, here too. <laughs> you know? And as like, as a, as a young adult, my first year of university going to mass by myself in, in, in a weekday. So there really wasn't many people there. <laughs> and you know, you know, it really knocks people's, uh, well, it yeah. knocked my confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, there's some wonderful people that do create that yeah. uh, sense of co- community. It's definitely something which I'm I'm really aware of here mm. within um, the parish years because like I'm I'm really new into this parish. Mm-hmm. She's got a funny accent, <laughs> and you know, and for the first for the well for the first year and a half. Oh no, we're there. No. I've not, not lived here that long. No. <laughs> oh man. Um, anyway, for the first thing, I was just known as I was James's wife because yeah. they knew who James was, and mm-hmm. I was just like the, the wife. Image. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and that was it. You know, there was no more questions about who I was or or anything mm-hmm. about me. No one really said anything. Yeah. To me. <laughs> and, and now you've just become Michael's mother. Really. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. You. Every every woman loses her identity eventually to the kid, right? Like that. <laughs> That's true. But then like I'm so particularly from working in ministry, there's people in ministry are quite pushy, I would say. And I think that that's a really wonderful thing when it comes to going into a new parish or doing that, because, you know, I want to do things. I want anything that I might be particularly blessed with. I want that to be used to serve yeah. the service of the church. Because I mean, it's no good to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's for, um, and so through that we've been able to do different things. Like um, I love worship, so um, being able to help James and uh, the the youth minister here doing different music, bits yeah. of that for mm-hmm. that's been really easy from lockdown because we just record something here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That on a video, but doing that within the parish. So we've had like weekly holy hours, some guided holy hours that. Um, I would go and it'd just be me and our parish priest. So it was really lovely when no one else, when the churches were closed to, mm-hmm. to the public. So I, I was in such a privileged yeah. position for that. But no, we're in a great, um, I'm so aware with having Michael and being a young family that we have a great responsibility in being present in our parish mm-hmm. with him um, as a baby and being and talking to him about what's going on and knowing that other people can see us yeah your child in in church because it is is it rare yeah even though there's a lot of um there is a high mass attendance it's not a young church yeah it's not a young church at all um you see a lot of people for baptisms for the sacraments for holy communion for confirmation sort of stamp things, their catholic passport but not regularly yeah. and so mm-hmm. i'm so aware that well, it's a huge part of our lives anyway. Yeah, it's a witness, yeah. We've been doing that anyway, but that is... That it reminds me. I, I, so I was in Newcastle. I, I sat next to the bishop at dinner the the first night that we were there. It was this teachers' event, and I I told a story earlier in the day about somebody fussing at me at a daily mass with Rose, and he he just t- turned and he was like, that would never happen here. And I was like, oh yes, well, English English are, are much kinder people. Like the English are, are much more like, they might just button it up. In America, we'll, we'll yell at somebody, but in England, you might just like hold it in. And he's like, no, there just wouldn't be kids at daily mass. Like it was just a very matter of fact, you know, like, and, and he kind of went off about the church is dying here. And I'm curious to see what the church will look like in 20 years. And then he said, well, of course I'll be dead by then. He didn't have a lot of hope, but I, no, I mean, and, 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 and yeah, and that's, yeah, there's a lot of I don't know, there's a lot of cynicism and there's yeah. a lot of senior clergy that are of that opinion. Like in mm-hmm. Ireland last year, we ordained more bishops than we did priests on the island of Ireland. Wow! So like we have a huge vocations crisis, and ah. like a lot of dioceses are future. They're coming late to the party. We should have been future planning 
mm-hmm. two decades ago <laughs> and thinking about not having enough priests and sacramental provision and all that. But there are a lot of priests, I know of priests that are like, it doesn't matter if we mm. don't have priests because we're not going to have people. And you're like, that is so not... Right. We're, 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 we're <laughs> giving so, up. Yeah. Yeah. We're so entrenched in maintenance and not mission. Like, we're just so entrenched in maintenance. Yeah. The blinkers, the blinders on, and we can't see past. Mm. So, one of the things mm. that we, because um, mm. we, we talk a lot, we talk a lot in the car about the church, what we, you know, what needs to happen, all of that. That's yeah. the, that's always the subject that we go to is talking right. about in the church and, ugh, and our frustrations. And then one day it was like, you know, we're going to have to do something about this. Mm-hmm. We keep on talking. We are the ones that are going to have to do something. And um, in England, we studied um, Sherry Waddell's Forming Intentional Disciples yeah. um, as a as a youth ministry team. Uh, in Birmingham and I took that to the other diocese that I worked in um, and then um, we were like you know we just need to get that sort of feeling we need to, mm-hmm. need to get that whole intentionality here and so we actually had like this little, study, little group study group with, with our, our parish, parish <laughs> just us I mean COVID is kind of like well, yeah it was oh boy, yeah. we're going through chapter by chapter and yeah, just like, to see where where it will lead and where been, the spirit will it's bring it's been so fruitful in itself just having those conversations yeah. with our parish priests but that whole idea of people's faith journey and the various different points that mm-hmm. you might have contact to with feed them into a and the yeah. opportunity that each of those um, kind of uh, stages of the, the opportunity that opens up and one of the conversations we had, you know, this, all of these people who are already at mass, you know, they've already crossed some sort of um, barrier in getting to mass. You know, they're there. They might not realise that they need something more yeah. uh, or that they, there even is something more to do with faith because it's just like a habit and a routine. But, you know, yeah. that's what the church is for, is to kind of to scratch at that surface of mm-hmm. faith. And, There's and, yeah. so much here that's, for you that will bring you so much life. And uh, so it. those small yeah. conversations that we've had have made a big impact, like using the name of Jesus more mm-hmm. in the, within um, homilies and things. You know, small things will be making a massive difference. And uh, I know that's been one of the things which we've been... Well, it, it, it sounds like the... It sounds like the hopelessness that seems to exist sometimes from a um, a top-down level or like even with like some, I imagine that hopelessness then sort of seeps into just like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, like the priest doesn't think people are going to be there. The people probably don't think the priest even cares if they're there. Like that, it sounds like it's folks like you on the front lines who can restore some of that hope and can say like, no, no, no. Like, like we need to still put in that effort and still put in that time and like restore that beauty. That's the call for us all. And, you know, we're very lucky. We know some wonderful people um, across the world who essentially are exactly like us doing that same thing, you know, mm. working for the kingdom, building it brick mm-hmm. by brick. And, you know, it's hard work. It's laborious. Yeah. <laughs> it takes away all your strength, all your time, everything. <laughs> but, you know, who but worth would it. do anything else? Who Absolutely, would want to do yeah. anything else if yeah. you know actually what it's for? So 
So I'm inviting myself over to help you guys do this work at some point. Um, it's, it's happening. Although Tommy and I keep joking, like when the pandemic ends, you guys are coming to American Thanksgiving. Like we're like, come on, this is where you'll stay in the office. Uh, we'll, we'll make the girls bunk up. So Michael has a room. Um, but when I come to Ireland with Tommy, where, where are you taking me to see the snapshot of Catholicism in Ireland and Northern Ireland? Um, and what will I, I mean, and I think we've gone through this throughout the episode, but just like the quick shot, some people fast forward to the end, like what will I see and experience right away about Catholicism there? It's like what you said at the beginning. It's, it's a, 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 what, what seems like a quiet church. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very personal faith and that's what we have on our personal devotion. But like we've talked about, you know, our rich, heritage and history of the church we would definitely bring you to Loch Derg mm-hmm. the Irish yeah. love to talk about Ireland we don't, don't talk yeah, about that's what I was going to say the Irish are not muted people no. I've been to my husband's Christmas party with his family and it's I walk around with a headache I love them all but it's nothing but loud and yet yeah. they know that faith yeah, is so good, muted we're good to talk but we're not good to talk about <laughs> you know, faith there's, <laughs> like, there's so much treasure here there and is. I think I, when I was still uh, pregnant with Michael, because the um, because the the prior of Lockdurg uh, and their main coordinator knew James, who had told them that I used to run confirmation retreats mm-hmm. for years and years, got me involved to come and help them. So whilst pregnant, I went to um, to Lockdurg and spent quite a lot of time on there with all of these lovely young people. This, just the cuteness. And like they were all of this energy in this really old, slow site. It was like that. That is the sort of the magic of Ireland, really. Mm -hmm. There is all of this hope. There's these wonderful young people who do come to mass. They do come because it's part of their um, family traditions of, of doing so. You know, they're there. They're ready to be to be met. So I would, Lockdown is wonderful. We would not make you do the three-day pilgrimage <laughs> because... Fasting, no sleep, fa- yeah. bare feet. It's, 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 it's intense. No sleep? No sleep. You stay up on vigil. 24. Over oh, my gosh. So we did this as our final marriage prep. We did this the, the weekend week before, before we got, we got married. married. And I said that I would never do it again. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> That'll prepare you. That'll prepare you for marriage. It's sad. Yeah. Uh, Head and sweat then. <laughs> yeah, so we would definitely bring you to Lockdown. I think I would love you to meet, um, like, with CYMI and the youth ministry network that is forming and the good work that is happening there. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm involved. Um, our our province, all the the workers that are involved in like family ministry and education and youth ministry, come together on mm-hmm. what we call the Northern Pastoral Network. And I must say. You know, Bishop only asked me to be involved maybe about 18 months ago in it, and, and we've only really found our feet. But it's so life-giving. We've been like really busy during November and Advent and, and Christmas creating resources for the domestic church to support people mm. you know, in their prayer life, especially. And we've probably done it out of a, you know, because we're looking at life through COVID and coronavirus um, to support that. But I think as church, the, the pandemic has has fast forwarded us at least 10 years, but I hope as church, we don't forget when things do go back to normal and whatever the new normal is, that we don't stop 
looking mm-hmm. at our ministry through the lens of pandemic because mm-hmm. you know from being present online and offering resources and support to people in their homes who mightn't have crossed the thresholds of our churches like the amount of outreach that is going on yeah is wonderful yeah so I, I hope we don't revert too quickly back to the, the regular way of doing yeah things. yeah that's a great way to put it yeah and in I mean, England, yes, we would yes. take you. We would take you to the church where we got married, which, in itself, is amazing. So it's St Giles in Cheadle. It's in called Staffordshire. Um, in Staffordshire. Yeah. It's called Pugin's Gem. So Pugin, who also designed uh, the Houses of Parliament, really, um, so it's really grand. Really grand doesn't even cover it. If no. you Google, you, you probably have to put this in the show notes. <laughs> I'll put the link in the show notes. I'll put a link in this. I was going to say. I mean, I I'm a sucker for a beautiful old church because then none of them. Are, I mean, even the beautiful ones in the states are not that old. Well, that's it. But and and even though in Ireland all the churches are old, when all my Irish relations came to my wedding, they were like, "What." Is this wonderful magic? Yeah, it yeah. Is yeah, super special. It's yeah. So that's um. That's so that's part of yeah, yeah, part of my uh, my home home parish. Uh, one of the churches there where we got married. Wonderful. Yeah. Also, bring Katie to Walsingham. If yeah. That. Which yeah. is our ancient pilgrimage yes. site. Yeah. And, uh, Just so much history there. We'll um we'll put a link to all of those things you guys mentioned. <laughs> down in the show notes so everybody can kind of do their own little virtual and that's part of Catholicism around the world is trying to give people the chance to see all these pockets of Catholicism around the world and what's beautiful and why you know when we can travel again I want to go there I want to meet these people I want to you know learn about this history where can we follow you guys and specifically the work that you're doing uh, in your diocese Boom. you can follow me uh, I am on Instagram at Clotterdunoiga um, C-L-O-G-H-E-R-D-O-N-O-I-G-E but because some of Link that in the show notes. we'll put it in the show notes <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, on Facebook at Clahar Youth Ministry um, for the Diocese of Clahar we're also there um, and then Catherine I don't have any because I just well, went part time yeah. for the Diocese of Shrewsbury um, um, we are on Instagram personally and there's a lot of like you get a lot of 19 month old baby it's great Um, well Catherine james thanks for staying up late and for for being flexible and for taking the time for avi explorers we're happy we had you thank you very much as always i'm struck by how the guests that we've had on this entire season of the podcast have all been very varied in their perspectives and their experiences, but also give us great insight into their particular part of the world. What's going on there? What's what's thriving? What's working? Where are their challenges? Where can things be improved? How is the church alive? And what do we need to know about the church over there? Almost like we're taking this little virtual pilgrimage to all these different pockets of the world to show us the Catholic church around the world. You can find all of the content that we've created, the podcasts, the videos, the Facebook Live conversations, We just had a Facebook Live yesterday with Sister Emanuela Edwards, a sister of the Missionaries of Divine Revelation who are based in Rome. She's from Wigham, which is in the northern part of England, and she shares quite beautifully in this conversation that we had. It's available on YouTube, Vimeo, and our Instagram over at Ave Maria Press. She shares very beautifully about how bringing people to the Vatican Museums and through St. Peter's for tours really helps them see the beauty of the church. 
helps them see that universality of the church. It's quite uplifting, quite inspiring. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. We hope that you sign up to receive all of the Ave Maria Press Ave Explorers content over at our website, AveMariaPress.com. We have a new upcoming series starting pretty soon on faith and science. More to come about that later. Later on this week, we'll have another conversation here on the podcast with Mountain Batorak, the Catholic traveler, about the church in Rome, what he has seen bringing people on pilgrimages. So we hope you stick around. We'd always be grateful for a rating, a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. As always, we're grateful that you listened with us today, and we'll see you soon.